about to be a completely unreliable asshole. Hello, Tim. Hello, Ryan. Hello. Hello. Let me chew on this pickle here. (laughs) (laughs) What is that a reference to, Tim? Oh, I don't know. The movie we just watched? Shivers. <laughs> Not of the being cold variety, we yeah. might add. But that's right. Yeah. We're going to be talking about Shivers today on Dismembering Horror, the podcast show. You are currently listening to the podcast show. In fact, we're myself, Ryan McDuffie, and myself, Tim Aslan. We dismember a horror film every yep. week. We do. And that means we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything that we found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film that we've been wanting to see, that we're hoping's really good, that we're hoping to get something out of it, that we're hoping, even if it wasn't so good, it's at least worth talking about. But boy, we love it when we love it, too. Those are fun <laughs> episodes. Those are fun films. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we've just been getting through them. We're at episode uh, uh, 70. This is episode 70. Oh, wow. Everyone. Hey. Closing oh, in. Oh, yeah. On... I remember when we were doing episode 69. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, but we're closing in slowly but surely mm. on our first triple digit episode. <gasps> wow. That's Whoa! true. When will that be? I don't have Jesus, it mapped up 30 that far weeks ahead. from now. <laughs> oh, my God. Whatever that is. Half, more than half a year from now. So Yeah, because we know it's like seven, the 52. Seven, eight months or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or seven months, maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to do math right now. Be here before we know it, I'm Mm -hmm. sure, like most things. Yep. And yes, we mentioned we're here today to talk about Shivers, the first Cronenberg feature Mm. film funded by Canadian government (laughs) tax money. Boy, were they upset. Yeah. So I brought a special guest here today, Tim, since we're talking about Parasites, Oh yeah, I, I, I brought a um, <laughs> gross. I brought a friend with me. It's still, it's a lot. It's it was once. Oh my alive. god! Put that tapeworm back in your butt. It was once alive, but is now dead. Ew! Wait, what is this for real? Whoa! What <laughs> the fuck? I don't want to touch that. What the fuck is it? <laughs> it's a parasite. It's a. It lam- looks like an eel. It is. It's a lamprey. Oh. Yeah. Have you heard of those? I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't like know what they Can are. Can you describe for our viewers is exactly? Is that in the movie? <laughs> well, is that what that thing in the tank is? <laughs> no, that was just an actual snake, uh, water snake oh, thing. Oh, okay. That is fucking disgusting. But I thought it was uh, apt to point out how the parasites in Shivers, they aren't that far from what actual things look like as far as that Was that mouth. in a person? I don't know. These don't actually go in people. Oh, they don't? Okay. Because that'd be real fucking gross. <laughs> Can you describe to our audience what exactly you're looking at, Tim? It sort of looks like a mummified, maybe 18-inch long, gray-brown snake, kind of. It, like, flattens out at the tail. Uh, and the mouth is <laughs> literally out of Alien. <laughs> It's so gross. It's like got a sucker mouth, you know, sort of flat, round sucker mouth with like a square, you know, like it's got like, uh, it looks kind of like a butthole, to be honest. Filled with sharp teeth. And then there's sharp teeth in the hole part. (laughs) 
That's fucking disgusting. You don't want to hold it I yet? I do not want to touch it. I'm really... Put it on my... Bleh. This is for us to keep us company today, Tim. Oh, God. <laughs> Why do you have that? Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> that is so gross and alien. Freaky. What the fuck? What do they do? They're like, I think, just kind of bottom dwellers. In that, the water? Like, yeah. Okay. They're deep ocean creatures that just they like suck off of other things, <laughs> like whales and shit. I don't like, know. what do they fucking go after? I don't know. We should look up lampreys. Sharks. Okay. Wow. That's first of all, that's gross. Second of all, it's so weird that you have that. <laughs> but third of all, seems kind of like apropos to you. I mean, I knew this day would come. <laughs> Where we'd be talking about Where did you get this? Um, from a uh, my uh, science class in like sophomore year of high school where they were just giving everything away in the room. <laughs> my friend took away like a chicken skeleton. I mean, this definitely sounds like the setup for a horror film where it's <laughs> like, oh, yeah, we're closing down the school. Hey, kids, everybody just take a jar from the science room. It was only- and then they like open a fucking back cabinet and like some kid goes whoa what's this one it's still moving let me take (laughs) that and not tell anybody and then they take it home and it fucking like you know infests their town or whatever and it was just me and my other weird friends taking them up on the offer of course (laughs) but there you go so we aren't alone today and we i thought it'd be fun to have a real life parasite sitting with us as we we talk we we like to like even if we try to keep this in fiction which it very much is shivers it's very much rooted in reality hell yeah heck yeah hell yeah (laughs) (laughs) so now that we've gotten that out of the way i wanted to do that sooner rather than later we have our trailer for this film to watch can we clean up something about that you were told about uh the (laughs) lighthouse that I was told about the lighthouse? Yeah, we a clarification. Uh-huh. Remember you said that your friend uh, clarified what the final image is for us? Oh, yeah. So we should say that because we didn't really know what it was. Sure. It was, um, it's Prometheus's death. He's, mm-hmm. it, it's a reference to, the final image of the lighthouse is a final, is a reference to Prometheus's death where he is, you know, prone on rocks getting his, what was it, his liver or his innards being plucked out by eagles, I yeah. think, for eternity. Right. And is it's whose punishment for giving humans fire right. was to be bound to a rock and have his liver pecked out and eaten by there an eagle go. every day for eternity. Yeah, so it's sort of like we were... We were sort of knocking on that door without knowing exactly what it was. Yeah. But, yeah. but I mean, cool as far as that meaning of the, you know, fire mm-hmm. being sort of something. Uh, en- enlightenment. Yeah. And, yeah. Very much in that line of um, yeah. the, uh, the monolith. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Human knowledge. Yep. So that was cool to have. Who was your friend who clear- cleared that up My for friend us? Jesse. Who, hey, Jesse. His, uh, Good job. Listener, you knew it. Listener of the show. D- did I meet Jesse? Yes. Yeah. Right. I remember. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> it's time to get into some Cronenberg. Yeah. All right. Actually, alternately titled. Oh, um, yeah. It has like three, doesn't it? They came from within. Mm-hmm. Here's the trailer for what we know as Shivers. If you think you're not afraid of the dark, <laughs> if you think you have a strong stomach, 
If you feel nothing can shock you. If you say you don't scare easily. If you believe you've seen everything. Then prepare yourself for a motion picture that takes you beyond fear. Beyond your wildest nightmares. And brings you face to face with terror. Beyond the power of priest or science to exercise. What are they? Raging demons from another world? Bloodthirsty creatures that must be killed? Or incarnations of absolute evil? They possess men, women, and children. And drive them to acts of unbelievable horror. Wow. Um, I, I had forgotten, but early on in the movie, I thought pretty immediately i was like oh shit this i think this is what um oh god what's his fucking name the guy who did slither oh yeah um why can't james gunn yeah james gunn i was like i bet this was you know a movie on his fucking list that he really liked slither is one that we've um gotten recommended to Mm -hmm. us for or uh, requested that we do for our show yeah i haven't seen for a very long time I I think I only saw it once quite a while ago too. Yeah. Anyway, so but today is all but, about shivers. There yeah. was the trailer for shivers. So are they the shivers? I yeah, I don't get the title, but <laughs> are we just scared? Sure. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right. First up, we gotta rate this film, Tim, per our rating system, would we tell ourselves to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it? Ooh, man. It's right on the cusp for me. What would it be, Tim? Ah! Um, it's... Man. It's, um... It's a... You know what? It's just a stream for me, even though it is Cronenberg and everything. It, it just isn't, like... There's not enough... Like, I don't know. I wasn't hyped up enough. Yeah. I feel you. At the end of the day, I'm sort of like, it's cool, and it's cool to see his first feature, and like, in the context of his films, it's it's like interesting, but it's yeah. not it's not great. I know it's hard because I think it's a, like how I've how we're doing this rating system. It's that exactly as you just described for me. However, I think that like, if I'm telling myself, which is what this is. I think it just makes a rent it as far as what you said about being an early Cronenberg film. Like yeah. when I watch it from that perspective, it's just as like, a, you know, a film nerd, it's fun right. to sort of pick up on these elements and sort of see how they play out later and go, oh, yeah. this is like, I could picture this in a, you know, what came to be known as a Cronenberg film. Well, and then I think to myself also, like, would I ever pull this off the shelf and and watch it again yeah i don't Not that's the really. thing that's when, when you when, this was your selection and honestly when you picked it i was kind of like oh yeah it's that one in the building yeah i don't okay well i he, mean i he wants it to see specifically it. because it's his first one hope, right. like kind of hoping for sort of gold no i that, and i'd know? seen it and been like okay well We'll, we'll talk about it, but I'm not necessarily excited to watch it again. Yeah. Well, and also, I'd also, I like, I would definitely rather watch Rabid, 
which is sort of in the same. Yeah. It's about in, I would say, the same level. But I'd rather watch that than yeah, this. I don't know. Okay, maybe, you and know what? And The Brood I still haven't watched. <laughs> Sorry. The, um... <laughs> I feel like I, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it back and say stream it. Okay, double stream, <laughs> cross the streams. Yeah, David, we love you so much. Enough to stream this one. <laughs> well, what happened? And shivers. It's a kind of cool. It's a, it's a cool little isolation setup, which I like. So there's a, a fancy residence building on an island in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And so they're isolated. That's cool. And so they're kind of trying to be self-sustaining. So they've got doctor's office and dentist office. Everyone knows everyone. An Olympic-sized pool. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, everybody knows everybody to some degree. It's a little, you know, incestuous community to a certain extent. Yeah. And... People are kind of, we learn that there's a affliction, uh, abdominal affliction that's kind of going around. Yes. Well, it's, <laughs> yes, I mean, it's more than that. I wouldn't call it an abdominal. That's one way to call but it. They, but they all kind of see it that way initially. Right. Okay. okay. You know what I mean? Like, they're all like, oh, yeah. Like, like remember the old dude who's like getting a physical and he's he's like, oh, my stomach hurts. He's like, yeah, you know, I was hooking up with that other girl and she had some lumps in her stomach and I kind of thought it was sexy. And it's like. Yeah. You but, weren't freaked out? So pretty, but, yeah. pretty simultaneously with all that though we're getting the pickle doctor pickle scientist <laughs> yeah so who's who's explaining that it was his partner at the beginning so so right off the bat too right. we are getting something right off the bat which is this man killing this young woman like brutally brutally and cutting her, her open cutting her open and then like pouring acid in her <laughs> like in her stomach and or then, abdomen, whatever. right? And then so, but but the idea is yeah, introduced, pretty intense. and then he slits his own throat, <laughs> right? Just can't take it. But then the idea is introduced pretty soon, which is the actual story going on. Of these were like intentionally invented parasitic creatures, right? That were supposed to just sort of help make people like feel better or something, like just to yeah. a small degree by by somehow like. um like making them less concerned or yeah i mean he made this sort of analogies like what if you could have a parasite that basically like replaced your kidney yeah like it can be you know we can make a parasite that's working for you yeah and like that that parasitic relationship is actually beneficial to the host and if part of that benefit was like somehow tapping into an aspect of a more like unbridled side mm. it uh that gets it, it, it's much more exaggerated than as originally intended. Right. Where it's basically once you got the parasite in you, not too far from this makes a good compendium to the stuff, which mm. we just watched mm. as far as you turn into a crazed, uh, orgiastic. Sure. Um, yeah. Sh- shell of yourself. Right. You just, yeah. What did she say? It's all, um, everything's erotic. Yeah. Everything's erotic. Um, 
And so the ultimately the story kind of we end up with the doctor who is like the resident doctor um being the one the last man standing mm-hmm. essentially and everybody it's real borderline like it everybody kind of turns into almost a zombie it's like they're a zombie but they're they're not they're not uh dead they're just overcome with the urge to fuck and pass on the parasite yes precisely tim (laughs) yeah tagline (laughs) what a world (laughs) that would be and you know but it does have that kind of zombie vibe like the horde of people yeah i'd say slowly coming after you by the second half it's kind of is a zombie movie and the first half is as tim put it a very rapey film (laughs) Which we'll get into. It is rapey. I, it's not. I yeah. It's not pleasing. That's for sure. No. <laughs> but first, we do have to talk about what worked. So yeah, let's do that. All right. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. <laughs> what worked? I'll tell you what worked. Hmm. The actual parasite. <laughs> you like that guy? <laughs> Not too far off from this. It's basically a four inch or five inch version of your little lamprey. <laughs> yeah. But it's squishier. Yep. It's got sort of. Um, it's turdy. It's very turdy, but it, it, it gets wider at one sort of part it's of it. It's like wider know? in the middle. Yeah. Yeah. It's gross. And it's got its weird little suction mouth. I remember before we've seen it in the movie, I was like, in the one dude sort of the, I guess, kind of the main host guy. He's got the most of them in him. Right. Um, And he's got the, you Nick. know, he's got his very upset wife. Janine. Rightly so. She's, Nick and Janine's the like, couple. Why won't you let me help you? <laughs> um, She doesn't last long. So he is sort of barfing them out and right before we see one for the first time i was like I, it needs to be like some gooey fleshy blobby little like turd thing yeah and then they show it and it like is exactly <laughs> yeah. that i was like oh i know right, i nailed like, it tim you must have seen <laughs> this somehow before you just it's just you just intuit the cronenbergness what feels right I, well that's what i was channeling i was just like every cronenberg movie i've ever seen like that's the thing like it just the 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 kind of fleshy gooey thing <laughs> yep. just that to me is Cronenberg. <laughs> so great and uh he started off right at the top right that was what he was going for so, day one yeah and I, <laughs> I could say a lot of what worked for me was his um the aspects of his filmmaking that we see more defined or clear yeah. in later films or they congeal in a certain ways. But a big one for me was that, um, that, uh, that critique, the commentary on things on class in this one yeah. is a big one on kind of the, um, was this? I took, I took a quote from an article, um, but the, yes, this is a quote, the commodification of the sexual revolution, mm. that idea 
is neat in there. But how it started off with all that right from the bat of this, um, the overview of the towers they're in, the luxury towers, which are called the Starliner Towers. And it's just <laughs> like the, it's a ship or something. Yeah. Right. And it's just in the form of this voiceover for a commercial. But <laughs> yeah. that was just so on point to me of just kind of like when it gets to the lines, there was one sail through life in quiet and comfort of just sort of presenting this ideal, life, <laughs> you know, quote unquote, <laughs> ideal life. Of yeah. just there, there are and... two aesthetics in that, that I love. There's a style of couch that they have, which is this in the, in the seventies, there is this sort of phase of like fu- quote unquote futuristic sort of, furniture making where it's like they're using plastics instead of wood Mm -hmm. and everything's like white and no hard edges it sort of feels space agey or like what they thought of as space agey i love that aesthetic yeah and like they showed the couches like fuck yeah i want that i like all that 70s but then they then they they cut to the the oven Oh, the yeah. stove and it's like the jankiest piece of shit gas like or not even it's an electric stove <laughs> it's just like i was like i we had that stove <laughs> that's the shit stove from you know <laughs> sears <laughs> so it's like you know i know because it is so funny it's like we've evolved right but i mean just that is a disparity between the voice talking it up as the ultimate thing and then what we actually see is yeah. kind of like or even at the time, what was considered luxurious. Yeah. An electric stove. Wow. <laughs> it it struck me so much, like, too, that how how atypical that intro was of the, the, the woman getting attacked. And as we said in the summary, like, all that. Like, where it feels like you're getting the regular movie on the, everything else that is going on. But meanwhile, there's just this... Uh uh-uh, uh, nope. This is anything but normal. Like mm. brutal attack that just felt like out of place if it was a typical movie. But again, this was one of the elements that worked for me. Where it's like, no, this is a Cronenberg thing. Where it's just kind of this is the jumping off point to be already here, and then have it all be an exploration from this point on versus having to wait for it. Well, it yeah, it it definitely has a little bit of the last house the original last house on the left kind of like blurring the line of like almost feeling like a documentary like mm-hmm. almost feeling like somebody just had a camera yeah no very that like last and house I, texas I, chainsaw yeah yeah i really like that aesthetic and like the weirdness of it because it is i don't know it it's a bit shocking for, for purposefully shocking obviously to go from this like because we're we're seeing essentially the interview of these these two people coming in to to check out a potential you know <laughs> condo or yeah, whatever the happy couple and it's there's eeriness in that but it still feels like it could be a commercial mm-hmm. and then you're cutting to this very violent <laughs> like in your face fucking fight yeah that is like, whoa, what the fuck? What is happening? But I like that. It's jarring in like a good way. Yeah. And like putting the girl in a like a schoolgirl's outfit is unpleasant. It's, because it's like yeah. she's obviously not 15. Like yeah. she's not a schoolgirl. So it's like it's just blurring this line of like what the fuck 
is going on? Is it was it just like her st- like a style? Yeah, people yeah, exactly. dressed then. Mm, I don't know. Yeah, because my impression was, and they they say this at some point that the doctor who attacks, who like kills her, and they kills himself, who's been doing all this, has known her for a long time and like met her when she was twelve. So there definitely is a like, ooh, this is fucked up mm-hmm. and like gross and wildly inappropriate. Um, but it seems as though a fair amount of time has passed. So maybe, I mean, if she was 12, maybe she was, well, no, here's the other thing. She's banging a bunch of people in the building. (laughs) Yeah. So she fucking better not be 16. Right. Like eight dudes have banged her at least. Where you go with what worked? What um, What I'm going with is that the, the blurriness of her character actually helps to like set this tone of like, right? It's just that, I'm like uncomfortable, right. and what is happening, and like that's y- exactly it's yucky. it, yeah. And that's good. That's actually really smart, intentional or not, but it's really smart to make it feel yucky in these sort of other contexts. Yeah, that's not just the context of like, oh, sh- there's a parasite running around like infecting people. That for me is exactly what it is that like worked for me in that Cronenberg sense is the part that goes, what is even happening? Yeah. Where it's just like, you think you can sort of figure out what you're looking at, but just by, you're right, like how she's dressed and the specifically how the guy is attacking her of like, mm-hmm. then he pours acid, then slits his own throat. It's just enough to be like, okay, I don't know what this is supposed to be. And I'm feeling yeah. at the hands of the filmmaker, you know? And it's not baseless. That's yeah. the thing that I like, too, is where you kind of know, or maybe we're just, we know because we know Cronenberg is not going to kind of let us down ultimately in in the understanding or the, the reasons for this. Mm-hmm. But in the moment, you're like, this is a weird lot. Like, fuck, I don't <gasps> know. Like, it makes me feel n- not good. But I, but I'm confident that i'm that it'll make sense right at least on some level i think um that's a good way to describe Cronenberg as a whole and any of my other um favorite like part things that i loved about this movie you could kind of describe the same way mm. my all-time like my favorite favorite thing in this tim film <laughs> yeah but like your mind's going to a few guesses already <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think you're gonna guess it Probably not. But I want to know what you're thinking. I mean, I, one jumped out at me. I don't know if it's my favorite, but I quite love okay. a particular moment. It's it's really how, like, it gets to the, um, when they're all in zombie mode at the way end, and there's, it's a group of them, and they're yelling. That's what hmm. I love, is what they're yelling is. It's, I hadn't heard anything like it before as far as group zombie yells, where it's this kind of, it's an in-between of Walla and kind of agitatedness, where it's like this, <laughs> like they're just kind of yeah. exuding nonsense. But there is something so are they unsettling about it. words? I feel like they are. They might not. be is the know. thing. But at the same time, it's also just kind of, I don't know, like, Hmm. yells but but not like angry or anything it's something about it really i don't know it really got to me as far as like oh this is like parasites talking through humans (laughs) yeah yeah that's a cool yeah that's a cool idea and it was just one of those little things where it's like you see the director's choices just making such a difference where it's like there was 
like he, he had to make a decision for how they sound when they're mm-hmm. all yelling together and it's not it's unlike anything i'd really heard as far as what you might expect given that um yeah. situation or trope i mean i like i like how you know when if you were just doing zombies it's sort of the zombies are you know they're kind of mindless and they just they they're just compelled to feed mm-hmm. right that's sort of the zombies zone and having these having this different context for their quote unquote like compulsion uh be having that be like sexual like desire i guess or or uh, yeah i guess that's sort of what is driving them yeah creates a cool opportunity for what you're talking about like what is the sound that they make and mm-hmm. like that in and of itself too is it's such a it's such a creepy kind of blurring of of things where it's like we're we're programmed to kind of be like the sounds of of like sexiness and like pleasure are not that far away from the sounds of like like moans so to speak there's a very fine line between a horror moan and a right pleasure mode. you just say the word moaning and it's like well it can be two very different things right and i feel like what you're describing really kind of hits this nice place in there where you're like oh i don't really know what to feel <laughs> about this like if there is a bunch of like sexy women in a pool like coming after me there's a part of you that goes oh <laughs> yeah and then there's another part of you that goes I don't know how to like, what's going on? (laughs) Like, I don't know. And I think that's just in a broad sense. It's a cool thing to kind of look at of like the difference. I don't know how to describe this exactly, but the murkiness, I guess, between like pleasure and intimacy Mm -hmm. and, you know, what drives us at different points of like, our our sexual lives and like this is where i'm kind of going down a rabbit hole a little bit but like i think often about that that like where you're at in sort of mentally when it's like am i just really like horny and and want to have sex or like in what i'm actually desiring is like closeness and intimacy and like where are you on that spectrum at any given time and how is it influencing your like decision making you know like i see lots of people just out and about or talk to friends who are like i should not have hooked up with that person but i was drunk and i was horny and it's like yeah you or should you have right Mm -hmm. like what's the line and why like morally speaking or whatever the fuck all that stuff is kind of in this movie which i think is cool that context of like doing that drunk and like lose your, you know, losing your decision making when you're mm-hmm. drunk. That that's like it. Yeah, that there's an aspect of that horror in here as far as like when, like yeah, you, you describe them in the swimming pool and they're all kind of coming at them. And there's that part of you that wonders like, well, okay, if I get if I get slithered, sorry, uh, shivered, <laughs> yeah. will they? Will I still be me? Like, right. am I still conscious to an extent? Like where? Yeah. Like that that whole like idea of losing yourself or not. And then like to what extent? all of that, I think, in this movie is kind of couched in this like era of li- like sexual liberation, mm-hmm. too, which is just a th- I think it's an interesting 
thing to kind of explore. Because, like, from one point of view, you could really be... You could kind of say there's this commentary about, like, people viewing sexual liberation as dangerous or, like, evil. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a whole era, and that probably still exists for some people, but there is a whole era of that fight over, like, it's it's morally wrong to, like, be, like, have more than one partner and any of that stuff. I think feel like this movie is kind of pointing at that broadly to be, like... Right. I think some people would watch this and inappropriately identify it as a movie about like sex. And it's a little bit to me seems like it's more a movie pointing at the people who are pointing at it, thinking it's just about sex. It's like it's satire on them for thinking sexual liberation is a bad thing. Right. At least that's sort of my broader takeaway was sort of like. I mean, can you connect that to like how. Like what I said earlier, like how it's about the commoditization of that, like the fact that all of that context is within this apartment building that's sort of trying to take that maybe that more like standardized, okay, we're still the 1950s oriented, like, okay, well, yeah. know that now that you've added the sexual revolution to the pot, how do we still do that under this like... Be your, you know, your young couple and buy this, buy that, live here. This is your version of what's perfect. Right. Yeah. All of that commodities, how did you say? Commoditization. Commoditization. (laughs) All of that stuff feels like the, the, the trappings of a construct that's trying to retain structure, Mm -hmm. you know, and say like, no, we, we got to fit into this box Literally the fucking building or your apartment or like these, you know, the, the cookie cutter idea could be sort of a, 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 it's, it's replacing a different cookie cutter from the fifties of like, here's your single family home and your nuclear family and your two car garage and your, you know, your briefcase and fucking whatever. This is like the modern version of that, but it's still talking about or pointing at the same thing of like here's the the sort of autonom autonom way of looking at your life and you got to live it this way and it's like just so you know underneath all of that bullshit is a bunch of people fucking <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then like bad shit happens because of that but it's not the sex that's the problem mm-hmm. it's the trying to control how we operate. I think that's what made, um, so it's, I don't know, kind of the highlight for this film too, was just Nick is the main mm-hmm. guy who has like all of them inside of him. And we see oh, like, yeah, all yeah, the yeah. stages play out. Who's, <laughs> who's like vomiting in the bathtub and all that. Yeah. But sort of the very first thing we see with him is that exact like contrast of um, where he's trying to, um, appear a certain way as if he is okay and he's anything but if you remember like he freezes with this blood dripping yeah. down this like little trickle of blood comes down his mouth and he just freezes as if like he's breaking on the inside or something right something like that would cause that appropriate response from someone else let's get you to a hospital but then when he goes no no it's fine i just need to like go home and have a good night's sleep and yeah. sleep it off kind of thing just that idea of like ignoring yeah. this you know issues in 
your life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ignoring the symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I think some of that's really cool stuff. It's just, it's got some cool layers to it and it's, ta- you know, pointing at broader, interesting themes and things that I think are interesting. And anytime you're breaking a status quo or like a construct that's been around for a while and like kicking it, it in the balls mm-hmm. I, I love that <laughs> right it's just fun to be like no nah, fuck you the fuck this this is something else we've gotten to a lot of that with the stuff too so yeah it's yeah exactly. film um to keep going down nick's plight <laughs> since that was sort of like where a lot of highlights nick, were by the way what a fucking interesting face this guy <laughs> right? has <laughs> in, um, a, in a really good way okay okay well we'll get through his stuff then yeah touch on that casting bit um so the next is that yeah when we see his um him looking at his stomach and like he sees the lumps coming out but the way it's like again just in that way where it's twisted in that cronenberg way of where his reaction's not quite you'd expect but you just kind of are into he goes like come on boy come on boy (laughs) come on fella yeah he's trying to like kind of get on board with it or like coax it in yeah coax it for something it's fucking weird and then um we have that long take that's sort of the far away shot of him going into the bathroom and we see the open door (gasps) through the hallway and he's vomiting into the bathtub and we see the aftermath can i tell you a a story about vomiting in in a in a not highlight moment of my life i'm not proud of this on my 25th birthday i worked in new york at a bar and you know as as you're prone to do when you work in a bar and it's your birthday everybody's giving you shots and like Mm -hmm. here's a shot and i was drinking like fucking jack daniels or something i think it was jack gross (laughs) and so like i had a day shift and I was like, I'll drink during the day shift and then I'll go home and that'll be that. Like, that's that's my birthday. I'm not going to go out tonight because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'll be drinking all day. So I did that. And then the people who I got off work with were like, oh, no, you can't go home. Like, we have to go to another bar and drink more. So I did that <laughs> and was out of control drunk. Like, it was just so much alcohol. And like, I've never been a huge drinker. This was like I probably drank a bottle of Jack Daniels at least. It was Dude. disgusting. Anyway, it's over the course of fourteen hours or okay, something yeah. like that. But still, it's, I was destroyed, and I ended up getting kind of like picked up and like spilled into a cab by one of my friends. And I got home, and there there was a little like sandwich shop underneath my building or at the bottom floor. So I bought like a peppercorn turkey fucking sub. And just, I barely remember this, but I kind of remember drunkenly, like, messily eating it down in their little, like, deli area. And then going upstairs, and as I got, it was a railroad apartment, so I had to kind of go through the, you know, narrow hallway to my bedroom, past the bathroom. And the second I, and I remember, like, like, peeling my clothes off as I walked. I was such a fucking mess. And I remember getting to my bed and like flopping down on it. And the second I was horizontal, I was like, no, this isn't going to work. And I popped back up and ran to the bathroom. And I was so drunk that I ended up, I couldn't, I missed the toilet like physically. Like I've passed it and I fell over and I landed with my upper torso 
in the bathtub and my like legs out of the bathtub. So I'm like hanging over the edge of the bathtub. So, so, and then I started throwing up. So it was so disgusting. This moment in the film, I should say, when we were watching it and we see the guy bend over like next to the toilet into the bathtub. Such a flashback for me. No, no. Tim goes, why would you do that? That's not where you do it. He's coming. Now we know you're coming from a very personal place. Very personal. (laughs) It's, it was horrible. Well, then right after that. Oh, and to make just uh-huh. want the, the icing on the cake, so to speak, the peppercorn turkey that I had had, you know, peppercorn turkey has like an orange yes. coating on it. Like yes. whatever the fuck that is. Gross. <laughs> I had just eaten this. So when I'm throwing up, all I'm throwing up is orange. <laughs> it was so fucking gross. Now, I will say. I was, I had enough presence of mind to turn the shower on and rinse it out. <laughs> Great. For, for like your four roommates. You no. <laughs> oh, that, no, it's too small apartment for that. It's just me and one other dude. But yeah, it was, it was bad. It was, was throwing up orange. Just gross. Well, anyway, so, so that, anytime I see somebody throwing up in a movie, I'm always like, no, I hate throwing up. It's the on, worst. Buddy. Come on, fella. Come on, you can. Next was a part you got really excited about too, as far as Nick's Nick's uh, sickness plight was when he, <laughs> after vomiting up in the bathtub, goes to vomit off the balcony onto <laughs> two old women who oh. one of them has a clear umbrella. Yes, and so he barfs he, up the parasite onto it. I was so excited because it's like in an instant you just know what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> You're so excited. They're just the two ladies walk in. Tim is like, yes, I think I said, here we go. Yeah, (laughs) that was great. And that's when we first see the little the little shiver. That's right. Is that that one? And then um, my favorite as far as the end of Nick's plight here was once it finally comes out of his mouth. Remember, he's like convulsing and the girlfriend, fiance, whatever is like looking at him across him. They're both on the bed Mm -hmm. and it's just like this melting tongue creature just kind of plops out of his mouth. And it's just so perfect. You know what I think it actually looks like if you took this is so gross. If you took somebody's anus out of them, just Mm -hmm. that section of your bowels. (laughs) It's just like a it's just because it has like a little like snouty sort of mouth. thing. But then it like gets bigger and like it's ripply. Yeah. I feel like it's just a butt. It's just a <laughs> don't show me that thing. I don't want to see it. It's so gross. Oh my god. I love Cronenberg. <laughs> um, so that whole yeah, Nick story. That was all great. Yeah. Yeah, his wife, I kept thinking like his wife was going to kind of get it worse, like something really awful was going to happen to her, yeah. but it didn't really. She just kind of got infected and that was it. And we had, it was just in a horror movie way. We just had the scenes spr- sprinkled throughout of like this person getting attacked, that person yeah. getting attacked. So we have the lady doing laundry mm-hmm. and like that's kind of an extended that's one. A fun that's one. fun That My favorite, I think, is when the... um. I like it just when it gets more to the second half and it's like the neck beard guy gets attacked by the Yeah, woman. what was he? He's like a, a, a caterer or something. The, he the server? Brought, what do you call yeah. it? Um, when it's, what's the word for that? When it's a hotel, but it's not. Room it's service? Yeah. Sort of? He's like that, but for this apartment yeah. instead of a hotel. I, mm, okay, go on. And then um, too, when it's the older couple and it's like <laughs> the one has the walker. And so they're like, they're like he's trying to crush it with a walker and it's just like so squishy and oh, that was fun. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. Who else should we have? Well, oh, it's, I mean, I, I, I still something on their how they were as quote unquote zombies at the end. Mm. Like, yeah, there's a lot that just sort of there's a lot of questions that we sort of don't take for granted or don't think about as far as when you're thinking of how do I do a zombie? Like what are, how much are they thinking about certain things? Like, mm. you know, in the, a lot of them, Dawn of the Dead and a lot like it, it's like, oh, they still have the memory of the shopping mall. That's why they all returned sure. here. Their patterns are ingrained in them right. for something. So just, um, I thought it was really interesting in this one, how it was a choice that was made. And you think, oh, that is a choice that had to be made. Where once they're all at the pool and they like push them into the pool a lot. So so they all start kind of getting in the pool too, but they aren't just all jumping in with their clothes on. They sort of like, you see people like disrobing partly. Yeah. So it's like you have someone dressed down to just their shorts. A woman takes off just their shirt. It's like they're undressing to an extent and getting in. And it just brings up those questions where it's like, well, why aren't they, why are they undressing at all? Or, and it's just sort of. I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting to see. So what, how is this infection actually affecting him? And then at the end, we know they can drive cars just fine. And like, <laughs> they can, they, they know. <laughs> That's right. They know how to like, um, make themselves up to appear completely just sort of put together and have a nice haircut. It's yeah. There's definitely a conceit that like, even when they're infected or the parasites in them, they can still function. Like they're not, they're not mindless. Yeah. They're just compelled you know right. and that's a different kind of thing because like the um doctor's girlfriend has a whole monologue about a dream she had and she's infected like mm -hmm. she's already like you know in her thing but she's having a fucking conversation so it really is like you are you except for just these instincts and urges are mm -hmm. isolated it does feel to me a little bit like the parasite is choosing when to kind of push you to like go after somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? That it's not always, it's it's not a, it's not a one-to-one -one, like all the time you're just like going for it. Mm -hmm. It's more like circumstantially, if you see somebody who's not infected, well, even when they are, because remember, uh, who is it who goes, somebody comes into the room, fuck, I can't remember, but, Oh, it's uh, there's a couple toward the end, like not old, not young, sort of middle aged couple. And they've come out and they're like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like they talk to the weird um, concierge guy. Yeah. And he brings them to a room and in the room is a bunch of infected people just feeling each other up. Right. They're not going after any. They're just feeling their eroticism or whatever. Yeah. And then when these two come in, they all turn in to go, oh, ugh, I want that. So there's some aspect of the like rules of this parasite that's like they're just feeling sexy all the time. But then when they see somebody who's not infected, they're like, got to get them. Mm -hmm. So whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> got to get up. And they do. Oh, that was fun when they're in the storage room downstairs with all the wood slats. And it's, uh, that's just a fun as an a zombie attack oh, scene. Yeah. The, um, that's right. The storage like lockers. Yeah. yeah. It's fun visuals like that. that Definitely. Just, as far as zombie moments. Mm -hmm. Um, and you might, Oh, that, so that guy, Nick, when you said, how about that guy's face? Woo. I, I just, we got to talk about the casting in this. Yeah. I think it's, it's great. And it's, it's really good. <laughs> and it's, 
in that Cronenberg way too, where it's like people are just kind of fucking weird. Yeah, interesting faces. Yeah. Like, okay, so who's the the main the pick our pickle eating buddy on the phone? At a certain point during the movie, we keep we keep going to this guy. Joe Silver, I think. Yeah, is Joe that Silver guy, right? as Rolo Linsky. <laughs> Rolo. <laughs> Rolo. So Great. at a certain point I turn to Tim, I'm like, this whole time has he just been having pickles and coffee? And you're like, Yeah. Yeah. He has. <laughs> Fucking Mine was gross. Um Some people really like pickles. I like them. I admit, but like not Do you like dill pickles or sweet pickles? Both. I like pickled things. I like fermented I things. Know, almost a little but like, not like hmm. not with coffee and like just <laughs> just like going at a big pickle. Like I like it how they serve you know, at a deli you have it kind of with a sandwich to kind of reset your palate and this is a, an extra vegetable. But this guy Joe Silver was another one. Vegetable <laughs> Yeah. What that is so weird to me. And it is a vegetable, but God it doesn't they're seem pickled, like one. They're cucumbers. Yeah. Um <laughs> But so then Rolo, Joe Silver, this deep voice, like distinct glasses, like pickle eaten, just <laughs> again, though it's like what's uh, one of the best things about this film was just sort of picking up on the Cronenberginess, Cronenberg moments and in the casting and how that guy just somehow fit the bill. Like, I don't know what it is about these people. Like the They're neckbeard ca- guy. They are characters. Yeah. Right? Like, just in and of themselves. Yeah. They're just fucking weird characters. I love that. That's yeah. my favorite kind of casting. Too. Just inter- Like, oh, my favorite guy. I'm like, I was all about this guy. The manager with the little yeah, you... mustache. <laughs> yeah, I don't like him. Oh, but I, I mean, mean, I like him, but I don't like him. Yeah. You know what I mean? I didn't like, like him as a very person. He's un- very unsettling to look at. He just was cracking me up. I just couldn't <laughs> get over him. Oh, man. Even the door, like the... um the security guard yeah like, super odd looking it's like paul williams or elton john kind of <laughs> yeah or um what's the dude who played uh the clockwork orange um fucking lead guy malcolm mcdowell yeah malcolm mcdowell like young malcolm mcdowell yeah. he had a little vibe of that <laughs> yeah weird well, i just wish i like i don't know what it is. i just wish i could just explain try to describe it better like what that is about his casting that i love and i can't think of anything more aside from just it's they're interesting faces they're kind of yeah. odd yeah for sure uh yeah is there something else you can kind of identify about them i wonder what they're like as real humans like because part of me thinks that those probably are just who they are you know what i mean they're not there's no affectation this that cronenberg's just like yeah that guy yeah weird. get him I guess so. Um, (laughs) Or the casting director is doing that. (laughs) So all the women too, like, I think we had said this too. It's like, it's an era that's really like, just, I don't know. I like the 70s aesthetic era, like women, like style and sort of the, like the The haircut. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's all for some reason. I mean, I wasn't, well, I was alive in the 70s for about a year, but um yeah, it's interesting that that has weird appeal and nostalgia for some reason. Yeah. Not quite sure. It's our parents. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also just like all the pop culture I right. love. <laughs> but the women, every all the women are pretty fucking interesting. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's like, and same with the men. Like there's no, there's no sort of um, 
typical what do you call this like ingenue or like leading man like even the doctor the lead doctor guy eh, he's yeah, sort he's of in a, he's an odd dude yeah. he's not quite like right down the middle um so i like all of that it's cool yeah and then it's funny then when we get to his other films and just being like okay it's, it's, it's something about seeing who these offbeat male directors cast as their leading men and like what would mm-hmm. we talk about like how we were talking about the stuff again yeah <laughs> like <laughs> this guy is larry cohen's view of like version of a leading man and yeah. uh fucking um james woods is like david cronenberg's like oh my god <laughs> james woods um yeah it's, it's fun to like i mean when they push that metaphor of like it being an STD, the disease to like showing, Oh, it's actually that like the way where it comes down to, they're basically force make out with each other. Mm -hmm. And like, we see then the, the The throat. throat. Oh man. So good. (laughs) (laughs) But there's just something fun to think in terms of like, you know, STDs, we almost think about them as they aren't like, physical like yeah they're like an invisible yeah it's like an invisible thing that makes this appear this way Mm -hmm. but when it comes down to it it's like they said it's an actual thing in itself going from one host to another yeah and then just so to have it be at a not microscopic scale and transferred in this right stop (laughs) i don't want to see it keep holding up the lamprey (laughs) (laughs) when it's like this tim is the std Um, no but that's just it i think that to me is the one of the most appealing aspects of any of this sort of body horror and why i love cronenberg because he kind of this is a pretty consistent thing in a lot of not a lot but like a fair amount of his movies where there's sort of like it's sort of taking the invisible afflictions of the world and magnifying them into a physical thing like bigger physical thing like Mm. the fly is sort of doing this like like body fall apart stuff it's like right in your face yeah you know and like we are all fall like that literally is happening to us all the time to a certain degree right our hair falls out our we trim our nails like our skin cells fall off Mm -hmm. all that shit but when you magnify in and well it's actually the opposite mag you you enlarge (laughs) the microscopic world it's super fucked up. Like, it's just we can say there it is that right. Where I just form the lump in our throat. Love that shit, right? Like that kind of body horror is so fucked up because it like it really gets under your skin. No pun intended, right. whatever. But like, you know, it gets to you or me. And then just tying into exactly that, like, well, what's the aspect of me that though wants this? Because the way it's receiving is sexual. It's like, I'm to an extent allowing this. I'm sorry, I did not. (laughs) This sounds tricky as as saying allowing myself to get STDs. But um, no, but I'm just thinking on a very visceral sense of like when she lays that kiss on him at the end and Mm -hmm. just see him kind of. He's like, okay, I don't yep. have a choice. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also the the idea of your partner or the people that you are attracted to being the ones who are coming after you and 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 uh, passing on the affliction is is a it's a creepy weird thing. It's the same. Like, it's why I say this movie's got some pretty fucking rapey stuff in it. It's like. 
even that, let me be very careful about how I put this to not like misconstrue, but like trust over. That's right. Like there's, there is both a fine line and a not so fine line between intimacy and rape, right? Like the not fine line is the fact that they're both quote sort of in the realm of sex, Mm -hmm. even though rape is not sex, whatever you like, let's not get too fucking bogged down, but you know, they are so critically different things, but they are couched in the same sort of realm, right. I guess. Like, and that's a that's a fucking it's a dodgy thing to fucking play around with because well, it, it made me and really it makes you uncomfortable. It, that scene made me really uncomfortable of the um, our main our main dude Nick when he's right before he expels that we see the parasite mm-hmm. coming from his mouth. And it's his girlfriend, wife, whoever. Oh, my God. Yes. It's his wife, Janine. And where he's just like, make love to me. Make love to me. And yeah. Like, yeah. Like using language that's usually like positive language, like make love to me as opposed to like, you know, like fuck or whatever, like mm-hmm. something more crude or whatever is so it's such an it's such a f- fucking like tr- weird unpleasant nuance to use that kind of positive language with the totally not okay behavior there was a really really nice moment i liked in there though that kind of ended with where she's like oh well i i just want to be able to see you let me put my contacts in right and then the look on his face was it was just again like you finding these specific moments that can only exist in this story and making it happen of like God, what is his face even doing? That's why it's so good. It's like she finally found a way where it's like to trick the intelligence of this creature or whatever the combination of the parasite and him it still is Mm -hmm. of like just her saying no wasn't working. He was still coming at her, but coming up with some, let me just, okay, but let me get away for a minute. He then actually lets her go. And just sort of like, you can see some kind of internal struggle still happening on his face. It's just a weird, I don't know, a moment. Well, it makes me kind of realize maybe a better, more clear way of putting this or like honing in on, on this is in a way, the whole movie is a commentary on what consent is Mm -hmm. because like, and, and people taking advantage of that. Because like the doctor who has manipulated this twelve-year-old for his own his own weird experimental purposes, like that's an example of like she didn't fucking consent to that, but like he's taking advantage of this like young person, and like every sort of aggressive sexual advance is just sort of an example of people not giving their fucking consent to a thing that like that's why it gets blurry because it's like. Yes, it's about sex, but it's it's about the worst version of that. It's the non-consensual version of that. And like I think it's so fucking weird and ironic that like one of the reviews I read, the guy was like, this is just a fucking it's just, you know, it's just about sex and people being sexy and blah, it's gross and it's bad. And it's like that's not you're you're getting the wrong you're taking away the wrong thing like yeah. it's saying that like what you're saying the movie is saying yeah your complaint is the what the movie is talking about so like, you dumb fuck like it's <laughs> <laughs> you missed the point yeah but i think that's a really fucking upsetting construct to 
to dive into Mm -hmm. and important in a lot of ways and you know to fucking have commentary on things like consent yeah especially in like a this sort of male you know driven world where people are just like yeah just do whatever the fuck i want Mm -hmm. it's like no (laughs) right no no this is what it looks like when you let that go Mm mm-hmm I wonder how that works under the context of, again, like a luxury apartment where. Well, I think it's I think the luxury apartment thing is sort of representative of like that way of looking at the world where it's like the the outward appearance, the sort of maleness Mm -hmm. of that feels it feels kind of like Mad Men where it's like. Within the walls, the like it's all the trappings of like things are great, and it's like no, they're fucking bad. Like you're, I'm not articulating this well, but like it feels like a representation of male patriarchy in a in a way, and you know, it's it like it feel it feels sort of like the the cliche of like the family that for all the outward appearances has everything and everything's perfect. And inside the walls of that perfect home is a dude beating the shit out of his family yeah. because he's a fucking alcoholic and, and like a bad person or suffering person or mm-hmm. whatever, you know, like that sort of, to me is this, the star liner, you know, it's this wonderful thing. And meanwhile, inside right. horrible shit. And happening. how good is that from the get go where the manager is selling it to this young couple? Like we have this, our right. swimming pool. And then you can juxtapose to that is the woman getting beaten by this yeah. dude. Because at the end of the day too, it's sort of just, it, it it's the, the metaphor of, the outside appearance is just, you know, it's just one piece of of the thing. And, the you know, there's horrible shit going on inside, yeah. right? Like the outside is not representative of the inside. <laughs> Absolutely. Which I love that And shit. the inside is also representative of the outside. It's a microcosm yeah. of the outside. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I liked... Um, I gotta say, this game, this film, it did have enough stuff in it where it just—I don't know—it doesn't make me want to put it totally on like a lower tier stream at all. Where like, as just as far as far as what a lot of this podcast is is trying to capture and then discuss the spirit of when you just are able to watch these fun horror movies with a friend. There was some good stuff. This film wasn't bad in that regard, mm-hmm. as far as like the moments of the pickle eating guy and calling that out yeah. when we see the um what was it oh convenient pile of pliers right here <laughs> like that is so good to me yeah it's such a sort of like the filmmakers being like yeah it's fun <laughs> right cuz one it's it's it was as if one pliers whatever you call them, would just kind of be like, oh, well, that's convenient. There are pliers there. But have it be a pile of pliers that's <laughs> conveniently <choose>. located. <laughs> then it's like, oh, well, it's there because that's where the pile of pliers Right, is. on the counter next to the sink. <laughs> sure. So, stuff like that. But then also just some moments that just made it fun too. Oh, where dude, just I get, have one. Like those little, was, is it the kids on leashes? Yes! Yes! That fucking, that moment is so good. Uh, what's the doctor's name? Robert St. Pierre or something like that? Mm-hmm. Roger St. Luke. Uh, great he's coming down the stairs and turns a corner and sees these two kids on leashes being let out of a doorway and he nopes the fuck out of there (laughs) he just turns right around and it's just the look on his face is just not today (laughs) see you later it's not even like holy shit what's that he's just like nope 
Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> Tim, you watching that was like, I would do the same thing. I would absolutely. Just like, mm-mm. And it's like perfect because we don't have enough time to see who's on the other side of the leashes. You know, they're in darkness. It's, it's like just, great. It's so kids fucking crawl weird. out on leashes. Oh, I love that so much. So moments, moments <laughs> such as that, it just does make it for like a fun watch Dude, with someone else. the car crash? Oh, Yeah. I'm st- what if somebody wasn't like seriously injured in that, I will be shocked. But that's a hard stunt to do to like how to time out a T-bone crash with both cars moving. Well, they timed it out and that fucking yellow car was not built to take that fucking <laughs> crash. That thing fucking accordioned. It was I was like, shit, somebody just got killed. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> and like <laughs> I'm sure they did. Like, how do you rehearse that? Right. They're like, they didn't know how bad it was going to be. <laughs> Fuck. Was that the actual actors in there? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to look, but man, it's bad. Yeah. But great. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, he, you know what it makes me think it is the real actors is because the next sort of section of them getting out of the car, they do not look like they're acting. No. They both look fucked up and pissed off. <laughs> like Robert St. Luke, whatever his name is, is like, he's like pushing the windshield out and he looks genuinely like, this was fucked up, David. Like, wh- why are we still fucking rolling? Like yeah. this, I'm like, she's hurt. I'm hurt. That was too fast. That whole thing was no good. <laughs> Fucking windshield is in my way. Are we still rolling? So, Fuck. But in the end of a final product, <laughs> does that make it work for you? Yes. <laughs> That's what I say. It's like the result, like what we're getting from that is like, oh shit, this shit got real, real. The um, the last thing I kind of had is for the section what worked was um, I love the ending is great. It's kind of like, oh, of course this is going to be the ending. It's just perfect. Yeah, it's body snatchers-y. Yeah, that, where it fully goes there and we have, like, I like the fact that they're kind of coupled up in their (laughs) car still. It's like they still are their respective family units, but just all smiles and, like, on a mission heading out to the world (laughs) to spread their orgiastic (laughs) way of being crazed. Um, But there's always a, a hint of kind of um, dystopia or the apocalypse or like impending or just like just on the cusp in Cronenberg films. And I think it's fun to see that Mm -hmm. exist here. It was really cool. Yeah. No, it's cool. I love when you pop out. What I mean by that (laughs) is like you've been living in this little world of the movie and then you pop out to the world, the bigger yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. I love that. It's such a fun feeling. I have, like, I have a film that I'm hopefully will be the next one that I do that does that. And it's mm-hmm. like such a fun, like the moment you pop out, you go, oh, shit. Yep. Cool. Like, I love <laughs> that. If you can nail that. Oof. Hear all the cars spilling out. Right. And then we hear the radio of the real world. Yep. All right. Anything else you got, Tim, you want to mention? Um, the bathtub scene is classic. Um, oh yeah, yeah, with the woman in with it. With the woman in it, it's fun. It's not it's not gratuitous in the way you might think it would get. <laughs> yeah. Like I thought they were just going to be like, "Oh, they hired this particular actress to be like naked and mm-hmm. like whatever." And they don't do that, which is great. They shoot around it. Mm-hmm. So I think that was more effective because it kind of leaves just enough to the imagination. 
which is always which good. made it that much more horrifying exactly. because you have this little turd parasite crawling up toward her crotch and yep. you know that's no like it imagining that Ugh. is much more visceral than seeing it oh my god yeah oh, <laughs> <Gross>. <laughs> um, but, oh god no <laughs> get it out of my face um that thing is so fucking gross um do you have a name for that i think i did at one point <laughs> now got oh, uh, man. roger st luke or rollo rollo oh it looks like a rollo <laughs> gross how about our next section then yeah is there anything else uh, la, 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 the casting no Cronenberg I stuff pretty, that's pretty much it for me funny scenes scary scenes how they're zombies yeah yeah we got it all all right then let's do it what did not work it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing for me actually really the bigger thing the kind of just basic thing that never really works and maybe this is a product of the (laughs) fucking rollo's over here moving on his own (laughs) fuck um the lack of sort of narrative uh protagonist i i it, it makes things hard, it makes movies hard for me to sort of lock into um and what i mean by that is sort of ultimately roger st luke I get his name right this time is effectively our protagonist yeah but we don't know shit well, about him I we agree. never get yeah. on board with him we're he's just sort of there yeah he's not making decisions He's just going along for the ride. And, I mean, it's, and it's after we've kind of already had this guy, Nick, seeming yeah. almost like more of a main character. It seems to me like Nick's wife was going to be yeah. the protagonist. That's where, where I thought it was going. And she becomes a nothing character. Well, I was trying to think about... Which is a bummer because she's good. When does it work in these kinds of films? And when does when does it not as far as having these sort of make it an ensemble So thing? I, I think what what is critically important to if you're if you're moving in the ensemble direction you have to have sort of you have to get to know everybody or establish everybody's individual character and then have them interact as a group i think ideally so that you can kind of get the group ensemble dynamic i could even see them where it's just give us enough in that movie sense of kind of like what you said, who they are and mm-hmm. what their own. I don't know. Yeah, for me, it was like when you go with this style, which I love, again, as far as the Texas Chainsaw, Last House on the Left, this kind of visceral, like realistic mm-hmm. grittiness. Um, it just doesn't, from that kind of movie aesthetically, I don't want the kind of more typical beats of like, oh, this is this family with these and kind of, you know, that mm-hmm. that kind of like. No, I, I, I guess what I'm saying, what I think is interesting in this construct is when you have people who are very different and don't necessarily know each other yeah or are not close to each other having being forced into the same sort of place and having to interact right as it goes on you get lots of room for good conflict because one person has a very different worldview than the other right and the internal story of how they're dealing with it becomes another aspect of like the, yeah the broader we used to have this other thing. character all of a sudden meet up with the doctor halfway through and we see all them they have to work together yeah no i i 
I completely agree with you. And I, I'm just trying to think of I like... I think there's a looseness. You can be loose with that to mm -hmm. a certain degree, but we... It's too segmented for me. Like we see Nick and his wife. We see the doctor and his girlfriend. We see the doctor and the other scientist guy, Rolo. Yeah. There's it, like all these other neighbors. It's all too kind of like, yeah, broken up into, what do you even call that? These little compartments almost. Mm -hmm. And even with the overlapping, there's not enough within the overlaps for it to really matter to the story. It's not like pushing any, it's not, I guess what it is ultimately, I don't feel like the characters are helping to push the other characters forward in the story. It's more just like stuff's just kind of happening right. and people are getting picked off and we're just waiting for the last man standing. Yeah, we're never as involved as we want to be in any of the people as as characters, I guess. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, even... um. Like Janine, who's Nick's wife, she has a best friend, Betts. And like they have their own singular interactions, but we never see Betts interact with Nick. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? There's no sort of crossover. Everybody's kind of like in their own little compartment. And I think that just makes it feel disconnected. Like I'm not connecting with anybody then. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly not connecting with the doctor because we don't meet him until fucking like halfway through the movie almost, it feels like. Yeah. So it's like, who are we, who are we rooting for or who are we sort of supposed to like get Especially on board with? Especially when kind of none of them, it's, it's kind of hard to kind of like and identify with any of them, but just on face value. Yeah. Like, because we are so just in that observational realism style. I mean, we meet two people right at the top. We yeah. meet two outsiders who are coming into this and we world. Think, Here's our story. We sh why don't we stay with them and and see the the unfolding of this through their eyes? Yeah, because we're them, right? Like we, the audience, are are these two outsiders coming into this world? So like traditionally, that's a pretty common fucking construct right. to like follow them and their experience. They get oh look at this nice beautiful apartment. Everything's so great. Like what's that noise down the hall? It was just used to set up the apartment building, <laughs> right? So, yeah, for me, that's sort of, you know, it's a it's a style, but it's like what what this movie is, is its own style. And that's fine. Yeah. But it just isn't it's not for me. No, I, you know, ultimately, it's, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's a sort of like how much you care about. <laughs> but I mean, it, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm a fucking nerd for structure but and usually, narrative. And but, like, I love that. But I, I want that. I got to say, like, I, I'm usually not that way, but it still like affected me the same where I, that is my, my one, ex everything you're saying, what did not work, but mm -hmm. I just sort of translated as like, it just made the whole thing just feel kind of like, it's kind of, I use this word a lot. This kind of like a slog. Mm -hmm. There's not, you're just kind of waiting for these sort of horror moments, punctuating it. Or just any kind of interesting, indelible moments outside of the horror, too. But it just feels like I'm not along for a ride that sort of has a... That's sort of dynamic or interesting. I think a part of why it hinders a movie like this that has a bunch of commentary and a bunch of sort of like, you know, satire and sort of thematic commentary and, and maybe um, social commentary is that when you don't have the Dana Ripley to kind of be the touchstone of like 
this is fucked up Mm -hmm. and like we shouldn't be doing it. Like she gets to comment back at the problems of this world. Who's the Dana? Dana Ripley is an alien, right? Is Dana. That's her name, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Sigourney. Ellen. Weaver. Oh, it's You're Ellen. Combining Ripley. her name from Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. is Dana Barrett. <laughs> You're right. So the Ellen Ripley. Sorry, <laughs> I was yeah. really. Wow. I, I was like picturing <laughs> Sigourney. <How confusing>. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Oh, that's funny. So yeah, that sorry, the Ellen Ripley, <laughs> where she gets to comment. I mean, actually, same with Dana. She sort of serves a similar purpose. But anyway, so the Ellen Ripley, where she sort of gets to be the one who's like. This, guys, like this worldview and this construct that we're living in is, we can't do it this way. It's fucked up. That's not good. And not having that in this type of movie, actually, I think it just sort of cuts it off at the knees because then we don't have, we don't have the touchstone yeah. that that really helps to hammer some of these themes home at the end. Yeah, it's weird. Like, we don't ever have anyone seeming to be like calling out how strange it is it's only comes down to that immediate human visceral reaction to when a slug comes and gets you and you scream and you're scared Mm -hmm. like it has to be more just kind of reaction outside of that yeah yeah um honestly outside of that kind of stuff there's nothing that's not really not working for me you know, because of just the type of movie it is. Yeah. Like, it's it, it all is sort of, like, par for this movie. So, like, I don't really have any complaints outside of that. Ditto. You know? Um, let me think. Uh, you know, you got requisite boobies. It was sort of, like, not <laughs> at the wrong... You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't... Like, I thought this part of me was like, there's going to be just so much 70s boobs. Uh-huh. Like, it just felt like this is the movie that they just go, yeah, you got to go. The more first boobs time in. it happened, you're like, here we go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But then it doesn't really carry on. There's a lot of, you know, braless, but that's just a style thing. Yeah. So it just, I, I, I guess I'm kind of saying what worked in a way, like <laughs> that, you know, we didn't get inundated with the boob gratuity of the 70s mm. that you know is always a potential um boob gratuity <laughs> yeah uh i hated the fucking chin beard guy <laughs> but again that's not really a it, it's not that it didn't it work fun when he gets attacked yeah, you know, and then but... is, is the attacker yeah. <laughs> right oh i guess you know so this is the the rapiness of it is it's a hard thing like to determine if it worked or didn't work. It's like, well, it made me feel uncomfortable. I hate it. Like I hate that. Well, I can say we're but it's 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 kind of essential to the the movie. With, so I'm like when I say like what worked and I said it really picked up for me with the zombie stuff, um I can say that the inverse is kind of true where like up until they started doing like group attacks and stuff just like as far as them attacking each other it just wasn't i don't mm-hmm. know it just didn't seem to like be doing much for me yeah you know what actually i will say this here's something that really didn't work for me nick no not nick roger the doctor he straight up murders two people in the in the basement like yeah they're infected and whatever and that's bad oh, yeah but he could have just run away. When he punches he, her. Oh, my God. He punches her in the mouth. Uh, yeah, I didn't like that. I mean, it's 
I guess appropriate because the thing is coming out of her mouth, but you could also just step away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, but like the black janitor dude gets his fucking head caved in. Like he was already unconscious. Like why? <laughs> you know what I mean? Huh? Like it just made, it kind of made me go, Ooh, I don't know. What like why doing? is, yeah. why the fuck did he just smash? Which in a way makes me wonder if Cronenberg is sort of saying something there too. Who's the bad guy? Well, it, it, in saying that like the overreaction of this doctor is circumstantial to the person that he's you know being attacked by yeah like he wouldn't do that to a white woman and it almost made me go "Ooh, that's actually pretty that's pretty fucking like ballsy commentary in a way Mm -hmm. potentially of like the one the one dude that he fucking feels okay with like going over the top and smashing his head in as a black dude i was like if that's conscious it's pretty fucking like ballsy yeah if it's not then it's a bad thing (laughs) you know what i mean it's sort of like yeah yeah you can smash the black guy's head in because that's the okay person to do oh god and if that's the case that's really fucking bad yeah and not okay and not working for me so i i don't know but it made me think about it and go Mm -hmm. and then he just shoots another dude in the back. Like, I get it. He's, like, raping your girlfriend, and, like, that's fine. But you also could grab him and pull him off. Right. It looks like he shot her, too. Right. That's dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot through somebody and kill your girlfriend. Yeah, what it's, it is fun, though, in watching these, just any moment where you just go, whoa, what? <laughs> like, yeah. So... I was thankful for any moment that made me perk up. <laughs> yeah. But... but to be honest, like by and large, by and large, is that a term? large and by large, large and by, um, even the the logic of the film kind of holds up. So it, it usually I'd be like, this doesn't make fucking sense. What the fuck's that? That what like in this era and this style of movie, often I find myself going there. And this one you don't really do yeah. that. So fucking cool. <laughs> Great. Should we move on to things of note? Yeah. All right. Things of a bunch. <laughs> things of note. <laughs> things of note. <laughs> this should be interesting. What are all these bunches of things of note you have, Tim? I mean, the one that I I was just sort of I was like head scratching. I was like that best friend bets i was like i've seen her she's somebody i don't know who and i don't know where so obviously i looked it up she is her name's barbara Steele, the actress she's the main girl in black sunday okay which is a real fucking like fucked up good movie cool. i think i recommended it at once mm-hmm. that opening scene woo boy <laughs> it's fucking good um the uh, multiple titles thing, I think, is pretty interesting. Shivers, they came from within. There's uh, the Parasite Murders is also a title they had. They have a French one, but I don't think that counts. Frisons, um, which I guess probably means shivers. <laughs> um, and then also, well, I guess this is just the shooting title, but originally it was going to be Orgy of the Blood Parasites, which is a pretty fucking sweet title, dude. I like that one. 
Come on. I mean, it's the most... Um, on the nose. Yeah, it's <laughs> the most accurate. Yeah. But Shivers, I'm like, well, I don't... Shivers. Okay. Um, I like all that. That shit's cool. I, I mean, obviously, I, we already said, but I think it's pretty noteworthy that this is his, Cronenberg's uh, first feature. It was interesting to pretty see um, Ivan Reitman as a producer Oh, on that's this. right. Yeah. Speaking of Ghostbusters and Dana Barrett. Shit, dog. <laughs> he uh, was the producer on this and Rabid. Mm, and okay. then went on to do his uh, Animal House and other yeah. things. But yeah, it's fun to, see, uh, to think Cronenberg, Reitman as two Canadian budding mm-hmm. filmmakers yeah. were more than just crossed paths. <laughs> I like that. It's cool. Um, There was one other thing that... um, Where the fuck is it? Oh, just how panned it got. Yeah, so the um the release as far as I followed it was it started with Cronenberg showed a near done version of it to a critic. Okay. And then that critic under a pseudonym wrote this scathing oh, article shit. about being like <laughs> this filth is what your tax dollars are paying for. Because oh, again right. it was like yeah. funded by this Canadian grant money, which usually would just sort of um people expect some kind of more overt canadian like pro canada messaging i guess like or like whatever (laughs) canadians like but this is definitely a canadian film and like what he was critiquing yeah as far as that so i think money wealth but then so then after that initial article review whatever you call it Mm -hmm. all subsequent reviews kind of were um in reference to that controversy so you had people defending it or um, opposing it and mm-hmm. saying, you know, it's more than just this. So yeah. that was the context for which it was released and was very successful. Yes. I wish I could do con- the conversion, but 185,000 was the budget. Oh wait, I don't see where, did you see where, how much it made? I heard the number. It was high relatively. Cool. Yeah. That's pretty remarkable. Um, are you talking, so this, this, the, the guy who, the pseudonym guy, he's the guy who said the most, the most repulsive movie I've ever seen. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) That's aggressive. The (laughs) most repulsive? But what better way to, like, what better advertising than that, right? Fuck yeah. (laughs) Um, other than that, I mean, I don't have a, uh, I don't really have anything else of, you know, note, note. Oh, except that this uh, Cronenberg got kicked out of his house because of or his apartment because of this. Did you see that? No. (laughs) Because of that article, Cronenberg got kicked out of his apartment because the landlord said that Cronenberg, uh, um, it it what do you call that? It it defied the morality clause in the lease. And so he fucking kicked him out for this movie. <laughs> it's so fucked up. That's incredible. <laughs> Come on, guys. It's a movie. So I had some things of note outside of factoids, too. Because that's what things of note is for. Things that did that. not work nor nor not work. <laughs> a place to talk about those things. Right. I just have this happened to me again this time. And this is what I think why I said, like, I like how it feels like it's pointed out dystopian Mm. but every but both times i've watched it now just that intro i like convince my brain that it this like takes place in like the future or like a slight alternate reality that's cool you know that that's fucking so weirdly true about that era yeah (laughs) like 
And it's kind of like what I was saying about the the style of the couch, right? They tr- they were trying to sort of style future like well, I- an idea of future, and I think we, as a result, see that well, shit ex- as futuristic. It's exactly like how you when you said uh, or different context, but when you brought up Clockwork Orange, that kind of yeah. like dystopian yeah, future yeah. where it's like set decked from the seventies, but there's just something like in like the the air in the greater world it doesn't feel right so you just think it's kind of this like alternate reality yeah it's just was really interesting how like my mind kept slipping into wanting to view it that way but then i kept having to remind myself wait no it's not supposed to be that at all right i think part of why that happens is because a lot of sets in sci-fi movies in the 70s mm-hmm. were like just taking interesting modern architecture and like putting it in there. So for example, like Logan's run, it's basically a fucking <laughs> yeah. mall, right? But it's like a modern mall. Yeah. And modern architecture. There's a um do you know what high lie is? It's a it's a betting oh, sport. Yeah that, with the big so scoops, scoops in the balls. Yeah. There's a high lie like arena, if you can call it that, in Connecticut that we would go to every once in a while when I was in college. And it is the architecture is all that like high ceiling like big pillars lots of angular architecture and i was like i walked in there and i was like oh my god i'm in the future and it's like no you're not you're in the 70s fucking architecture like in our brains because we've been exposed to that architecture in a certain context so much from a certain era yeah it feel we identify it as futuristic for me i think it which i think is fucking cool that probably definitely is an aspect to it. But I think a big part of it is just that setup of the luxury tower being advertised that way. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Cause it's like, I live in like, they are here in downtown LA. It's like, it, they're a real thing. Like, it's, oh, yeah. it's not odd, but it's just something about the specificity of like the setting is this tower. And we're setting it up with sort of this, um, voiceover as commentary. Mm-hmm. It just, puts me more in that like land of the dead mode yeah, i guess where yeah. just because they don't seem commonplace as a place to set a story i just kind of um take the extra leap to be like oh this is a somewhat invented thing even though it's not at all right <laughs> that's a yeah it's a really interesting thing soylent green kind of has that, yeah where it's like you see both um, um yeah it's interesting i just like this this was a quote from looking at it it was a film school rejects thing but they were quoting something else sorry i can't exactly attribute it but i just liked it and want to hear your reaction to it it's no accident that the film takes place in the unimpressive confines of starliner towers as lowenstein notes the very proliferation of these luxury high-rises was part of a broader trend towards quote sterile environments structured by the commodification of the sexual revolution I said that earlier the island has its own market its own butcher because it's on an island too that was the other oh, thing that made me feel kind yeah. of dystopian it's like yep. separated it's weird it's on the island the island has its own market its own butcher even its own medical clinic it's not exactly earth-shattering criticism to suggest that the environment functions much like an organism it's only when the blood is flowing organically that it achieves its highest function you know what it re- makes me realize is Roosevelt Island in Manhattan is very much like this. It's mm. of that era. 
it's like it's meant it was built i think to be sort of this self-contained little community which makes me then realize that what we're kind of pointing or tapping at is the idea of like a euphoria not euphoria um uh utopia yes thank you Jesus Christ. Yeah. So like this utopia idea, which was like kind of a big, there was a lot of people That's feeling that vibe of like too, 60s, 70s. Because it's utopia. Exactly. Utopia. Yeah. Utopic vision. That yeah. seems immediately and, and future-y. All these stories that, that of, it's like a very kind of classic construct of like the attempted utopia, which really just falls into this dystopia. Like the result is this dystopic, you know. Um, you know, whatever place that you get to because you cannot have utopia. Like yeah. it doesn't work or whatever. Well, it's like, the that's idea the idea. If something's isolated into itself, we think, oh, that's good. We need to be self-sufficient. Look, isn't it great? It has its all its own organs as it describes it. Yet you also need that outside connection to everything. Right. Like you need a larger influence living on an island is a weird experience like Mm -hmm. when i lived on martha's vineyard even for like you know you'd be there for the summer so you're there for three months but you you get it's weird when you're like oh i haven't left this i'm like just been in this place yeah and it's not when you you don't feel this when you live inland right because you can go at any time you're not you're not isolated even like geographically so even if you don't go out away from where you are, knowing that you can't when you're on the island without like some effort is a weird it's a it creates a weird almost cabin fevery sort of thing that ends up going on with mm-hmm. a lot of people and people go, I have to fucking get onto the mainland for right. just like a day. And when it's interesting, it's being pitched as a you never have to leave. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just, it's just, you know, defies the reality. Like, it's never that. Like, you always, you got to get out. Right. But that's just something that's beyond obvious. That's instinctual, Mm -hmm. which we don't really have. Like, oh, that's not real. What do you mean? You have the food in the doctor. Why do you need anything else? There's lots of people here. But you're like, no, what about going stir crazy? Well, where's the scientific evidence of stir crazy existing? Like, (laughs) you know, it's like, no, we just know we need, it's like, we need to land we need to not yeah. be on an island like yeah. all that um, cool i thought we had to mention tim because this is so unique unlike anything ever experienced before and i just got to know if the world has experienced this too so tim and i are watching it we think he's making his big escape at the end trying to get out of this community <laughs> <laughs> and we see him like but but it looks like he's 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 trapped in because there are these massive like seven foot like fall, hedge with another like ten foot hedge behind it mm-hmm. and so so he's going for it. I'm like oh I guess he's just kind of gonna like jump and just kind of work his way like through pull it. himself over and, the yeah, first hedge. Yeah, that's what Tim, Tim. Yeah, you said something like that. Instead, the moment when he looks like he should hit it, he just starts shrinking and running up the side of it. Yeah. And my brain just went like, what? It, it shattered me. <laughs> Turns out these are not just how it was lit. Yeah. It looked absolutely, Tim and I were both absolutely <laughs> assuming were hedges. They were hills. Yeah. Oh my God. Part of it was that there's a line. There's like a distinct line of like where the first hill kind of levels off. Yeah. And then another hill, like it, the hill continues upward from there. But just the the illusion that it created visually was so trippy to fucking watch him 
he hits the threshold of the what we think is the hedge and just keeps running. It was like, I mean, in a fucking cartoon. Like all an of Escher sudden. painting. It, yes. It was so fucking <laughs> weird. <laughs> we should we should like post a sort of a like a series of photos of that, that progression. Sh- yeah, yeah, because it is man. You see, you'll see that first photo and be like, yeah, those are hedges. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least Tim and I both read. So I'm wondering what you all think who's then, seen it. Then I love how when he gets to the top and like all the quote unquote zombie people or whatever infected are coming toward him. Yeah, instead of just like running around them or around the other side of the building and like I don't know grabbing a car or something i guess all the cars are down in the fucking garage and locked but whatever he goes back inside i'm like that's worse yep are you just noting that yeah all right well i think those are all the (laughs) things we note i had at least cool so should we move on to recommendations and no longer talk about shivers yes we should <laughs> Tim doesn't have one ready, does he? So I'll go. Here was mine from last week that I God ended up it. thinking of something else. Uh, on Disney Plus, Tim, Ooh. I watched and loved the the new reimagining of Lady and the Tramp. <laughs> okay, I recommended it. Yeah, why? What's good about it? It's like I I like just movies with animals in them. And it was, it was, it was just like, like the big scene of, uh, the, their dinner scene. It was just so cute how like the adults like set up this little table for dogs and anytime, like it's like humans going out of their way to like do extra to animals. It just really gets to me <laughs> and just stylistically too. Like, like it starts out with these kind of cool, like storybook 2d like versions of the town that just is interesting 2D. and brings you in yeah where it's like this kind of like layered drawn effect you'll see it when you see it and then like the casting was just fun all the voices made them like super endearing and i liked that it was just kind of like a lot of those old disney movies it's just a very like simple story well told of like it's not not a lot it's not confusing it kind of gets in and gets out and stays on message and on point all the like supporting dogs were great too. Nice. The human actors are good. I don't see what there wasn't to like. You, we just go in so predisposed to not like these Disney remake things, which mm-hmm. granted are for good reason. They can be really weird and off. But this and Pete's Dragon is the other one. To, I'll oh defend. yeah, I kind of want. Like I don't really think I ever watched the original. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Like have context for it. <laughs> um. Anyway, I liked it. All right, I found something. That I watched recently. Um, <laughs> you recommend Ed. Yeah, for sure. So there's a series now on go- on, on um, Netflix called The Movies That Made Us. Have you seen any of it? Here. Oh, right. When I was watching it. Um, so it's like, it's basically, you know, it's sort of documentaries on the making of movies from mostly the 80s, it seems like. Um, so I watched Die Hard, Dirty Dancing, Home Alone, Ghostbusters are the ones that I don't think I actually saw the Ghostbusters one. I need to watch it. It like started and I left. Um, but it's cool and it's fun. It's like got interviews and such and about like the the actual process of how these films got made. And yeah, they get all the, the big, history of it. All it's, the big players, right? It's really fucking fun. 
Like the Die Hard one, the first one I watched is so good because it like goes all the way back to like, hang on, let's let's explain how the even the idea for this movie started like, you know, in the 60s -hmm. because um, some guy wrote a novel called The Detective and Frank Sinatra really liked it. I think this is right, but whatever, you'll get the idea. And he got cast in it and then they made it and it did well enough to like make a sequel. And so they're like, can you write a second one? And the second one that he wrote that never got made was essentially the beginnings of what became the script for Die Hard. Cool. And it's like, I love that shit. Yeah. Like learning about where all that, like the gestation of a fucking idea came from is so fun. That is interesting. Um, and then they, yeah, they show like, you know, behind the scenes shit from the makings of these and like talk about the, the like I had mentioned, I think last week or maybe the week before about Home Alone and like the budget like that, that I learned in this particular show because it's, it was a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I like all that insider sort of baseball shit. It's fun. So it's a good, I, I don't know how many episodes there are. Yeah, but. it's nice that they delve into that amount of detail. Yeah. So that's mine. It's, what did I say it was called? <laughs> the, the movies, movies that, that made us. us. <laughs> what did you say it was called? <gasps> yeah. So All yeah, right. it's fun. Should we decide next week's film? We should. Is it your turn or my turn? I think I pulled shivers. Did you? Well, let's see. Who pulled? Um, who pulled in the mouth of madness? Who pulled the stepfather? I think I pulled in the mouth of madness. Yeah. Didn't I? I was really excited about yeah. it. Okay, so it is it. me. So then I did shivers. And now you are pulling this one. Oh. Interesting. Hide and seek. But not the one we saw. Wait, what did we see? We didn't see we saw not what a was movie that called? called Hide and Seek. <laughs> Uh, the ba- not the babysitter. Uh, yeah. Ready or not? Oh, okay, yeah. So this is called Hide and Seek. It's a it's a Korean film from 2013. Oh, okay, the Korean one. Cool. All right, sweet. Going back to the uh, the a horror realm. Yep, yep. Cool. Great. Um, Get into it. Have you watched I Saw the Devil yet? <laughs> no. Great. Anyway, I should have watched that instead of putting on this movie called The Black Room, which I just didn't watch. <laughs> it was just on and I was like doing work. And every once in a while I'd look up and be like, I don't know if this looks good or horrible. <laughs> so I need to go back. We'll see. OK, well, you should join us next week for Hide and Seek. Yeah, you Korean, should. Korean film. And until then, you can find us at dismemberinghorror.com, where we got a got an Instagram that's at dismemberinghorror. You can write us dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. You can listen to all 69 of our other episodes wherever Sorry. you find your podcasts. Yep. It's true. All of that's true. Thank you, Tim, for not questioning that. I would never. <laughs> Anything to add? Uh, send us a message somewhere. Like on Instagram or Twitter or Gmail or or leave us else, a, or a review or whatever. Yeah, or Those five are fun. star five stars. Does anybody do that? Five I've stars on iTunes. <laughs> yeah, do it. You listening? Thank that'd, you. That'd be please, fun. please, please, please. Do we beg at this point since no one's done it and people are listening? <laughs> yes, you. <laughs> you could do it right now. Stop driving. We don't have ads, <laughs> so this is the ad yeah. portion where we're right. advertising ourselves, folk. <laughs> And even though the episode's over, he probably turned it off already. So let's just wrap it up (laughs) and say, in closing, thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.